Welcome to Porn Free Radio. This is the podcast where motivated guys who want to quit looking at porn, get hope, and take action. Even if you feel lost right now or out of control, you can recover and live a meaningful life, free from shame and full of love. Now here's your host, coach, and podcaster, Matt Dobschutz. Well, hello and welcome to episode 141 of Porn Free Radio. Today, I'm going to be answering a question I get asked a lot. Matt, when did it get easier for you quitting porn? When in your recovery journey did it get easier? And this question is topical because this past week, I just got to seven years porn free. Now, if you would have told me earlier in my life that I would get to seven years porn free, it would be like telling me I was going to bag a unicorn on a hunting trip. I mean, it was kind of crazy talk, uh, but it actually happened. And I'm going to answer that question of when it got easier. Now, the answer might not be what you expect. I think a lot of guys think it's a, a date. It's a calendar date, uh, whether it's 90 days, 180 days six months, a year, you know, there's this idea that when we get to a certain date on the calendar in recovery, uh, then it's easier. Uh, That wasn't the case for me. Um, It came after something else. So I'm going to explain exactly when it got easier along the way uh, in this episode. But first, I have a commitment to make. For the rest of 2018, I will be releasing a Porn Free Radio podcast, a new podcast every Wednesday, starting today, January 24th, 2018. So I'll be uh, publishing new episodes every Wednesday morning. And one of the reasons for this is more and more, I've been getting emails from you guys that says that, 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 that where you've told me that Porn Free Radio is in your recovery plan. Uh, It's something you're depending on. It's something that you look forward to. It's something that you've kind of got penciled in as part of your healthy recovery uh, commitments. And I want to support your plans and I want to support what you're doing. And what happens is when we're inconsistent in our active commitments, when we're inconsistent in doing something, when there's an inconsistent schedule, or we don't follow through on something, that's when we get into trouble in recovery. And I don't want to be uh, part, I don't want to be part of your inconsistency. And I know that in the past, uh, there's been times where I publish when I feel like it, or there's been times where I wait to be inspired, or I'm a perfectionist getting an episode out. And so I'm getting rid of that. And I'm blocking out my calendar uh, to record every Tuesday and to make sure that that podcast is in your inbox and in your podcast player on Wednesday morning. So we're starting today and you can hold me to it. You can hold me to this commitment. Uh, Part of, you know, the something I talk a lot about in our planning uh, uh, episodes and in, in the tools I use and in coaching is making a real commitment and putting it out there uh, and making it real. So this is how I'm making it real. I will be publishing an episode from January 24th, this, and it will be now on Wednesdays. So if you've, if you've sort of thought of checking on Monday, or if you look midweek, it'll be Wednesdays when the episodes will come out. 
But I'd like to ask you to make a commitment also to Porn Free Radio. If you found value in what we're doing here, if this has helped your recovery plan, uh, consider giving a one-time gift or setting up a monthly gift to Porn Free Radio. You can go to recoveredman.com slash contribute. That's recoveredman.com slash contribute to set up a pledge. And what that's going to help me do, it's going to help me to prioritize and it's going to help me to follow through on this commitment, knowing that you're committed, uh, knowing that you're all in uh, for this, that you're actually supporting this uh, with uh, contribution uh, is going to help me follow through. So consider giving like 10 bucks a month. That's that's kind of a, a, a metric that would help. Um, and, um, and just think of it as your own commitment to being porn free. It's a way to uh, remind yourself every month that you're committed to this too, um, that we're in this together. So go to recoveredman.com slash contribute and set up that monthly pledge today. And I really appreciate it. And all you guys who've given in 2017, um, I think about $3,000 came in last year uh, from the Patreon site. And I appreciate every person who gave last year. Um, That's a big deal because this is what I do full-time. I do this coaching. um, I do coaching. I do uh, the podcast. But this is what I dedicate my work to. And so um, you guys giving back has been a big a boost for me. It's encouraged me. And it's partly why I'm making uh, this commitment uh, to deliver these episodes every week. Wednesdays. I'm saying it again. Wednesday mornings, it will be in your podcast player. Hold me to it. Commit. Get in this with me. Join what we're doing. And uh, let's do it. All right, let's get into today's show. So I said that um, I wanted to answer this question that I keep getting asked is, when does it get easier? And I've got some good news and bad news. It gets easier. Um, It does get easier. There are times that I looked back, thinking through this question, I looked back and went, what were those milestones? What were those things that had to happen uh, that made things easier for me? And I've identified 12 of them. Now, as I hinted at the top of the show, uh, it's not due to a, cal- a calendar. Um, you know, what we're talking about when things get easier, when a hard task gets easier, what is that? Hold on, I'm going to take a sip of this uh, Dunkin' Donuts coffee. <laughs> Shout out to uh, the Grizz, Jason George, who does that in every podcast. Um, yeah, so what do, what do we call something when a hard task gets easier, right? Think about something you had to teach yourself. Maybe you um, were a basketball player growing up and you had to get that perfect free throw form, you know, you had to shoot a whole bunch of baskets and um, get some coaching about release and um, practice spotting the rim, right? Until you could make, what, what, what does a good player make? 80% of his free throws, eight out of 10 will go in, right? Uh, 
when you first shot that ball, you know, you probably missed. You, you probably didn't have the coordination, the muscle memory. You didn't have what? You didn't have mastery. That's what we're talking about. When something becomes easy, when it becomes automatic, it's not that the task got easier. It's that you have mastered it. There's mastery. So the question is, when did I start having mastery in recovery in these areas? Um, you know, what, what started giving me mastery so that it seemed easier to follow through? It was easier to follow through. And what leads to mastery is not a date on the calendar. It's commitment. And so I'm going to tell you about the 12 commitments that I made. And, and they weren't commitments like written commitments where I'm like, I, I resolve Matt, Matthew J. Dobshutes resolves to never click on clickbait. It wasn't like that. These are commitments that I came to along the road of recovery that I just went, this has to go. I need to commit to this and be all in on this. In the, the big book of uh, Alcoholics Anonymous, they say half measures availed us nothing, meaning half a solution doesn't work. Half a commitment doesn't work when it comes to recovery. We need to be all in. So what were some of these commitments? Now, I just mentioned the road of re recovery. I heard a great uh, comment from a, a guy in coaching. He said, you know, uh, recovery uh, is not a ladder. Uh, it's a, um, and I have it up on my board. Where, where did it go? I was just, um, it's, a, it's a road, not a ladder. Recovery is a road, not a ladder. And I love that metaphor because I think we think, um, you know, we think that it's day one, day two, we're climbing up the ladder. And then if we have a relapse, we're back down to zero. And the truth is, it's more like uh, uh, a road, you know, we're driving along the road, we're getting closer to our distance of recovery and relational integrity. We're getting closer uh, with each step. Now, we sometimes have detours. We have places where we get off course and we need to get back on course. Um, but uh, I love thinking of it that way. So let me tell you about my, my road to recovery and when mastery started coming in, what commitments uh, led to mastery. So the first commitment I made was a commitment to full disclosure. Now, the way that this came about was my wife caught me downloading pornography. And this was a big shock. We had been married two years. I had alluded to a pornography struggle in the past, but this was all new information to her. And my wife is tenacious. She asked tons of questions. And so I had a choice to make. Was I going to answer these questions to the best of my ability and be honest? Or was I going to try to minimize or not really go there? And I made a commitment, this is early on, that I would disclose that if she asked a question or if I thought of something that was relevant, I would share it, even if it made me look bad. 
And part of this was out of that desperation. You know, I was trying to explain myself. I did feel defensive, but I also had a certain amount of exhilaration of finally bringing someone else in to this mess. Um, Have you ever had someone... Have you ever had someone help you climb out of a mess? I remember um, one of my first corporate jobs, I had gotten behind. Um, I had a whole bunch of project work, and I had just gotten behind. I had procrastinated. I had put off deadlines. I don't know what happened. And I went into my boss's, I went into a, a like a one-on-one with her, and I just was honest. I said, I blew it. I've been procrastinating. I have all these things on my plate and I'm just, I don't know what to do. And my boss said, well, list out everything you need to do. She, and she said everything, you know, I had everything out and she actually said, I'm going to take half of this and we're going to work on this together and we're going to, we're going to meet every morning to talk about our progress until you're out of this hole. So she literally took half of my work. And this was back when we were building websites. So we were coding web pages and building um, these, these sites. And she did, I mean, an amazing amount of work on my behalf just to help me dig out of the hole. Well, this is the same thing that uh, I came to when my wife was asking these questions. I realized I'm in a hole. There's all these things that I've done, these things... Uh, in my past, there's things that I've lied and hidden. I need to tell her everything. I need to tell her what's there. Um, and just, you know, open it up, just like having to tell my boss, giving her a full inventory of what was there. Now, I've had uh, uh, Hope Ray on to talk about disclosure, and that's a process where you work with a counselor to actually, in a safe way, tell your partner uh, about you know, what you've done and, um, where some, where you've crossed boundaries, where you've been in the addiction. And I am a, I'm like fully invested in supporting really safe disclosure. Um, my wife and I, we didn't have that resource. And, um, and so it was natural. This is just the way it happened. Um, so you might need to engage some help to really do this well, so that your wife and partner can be supported. Um, or if you're a single person, you know, you might have to find someone who you can just be honest with, a friend, a family member, um, who you can just be honest with. Uh, my first episode, uh, Coming Clean, that's what I talk about. The idea of reaching out to someone and saying, hey, this is what's going on with me. Um, this is what I've done. This is where I'm at. And it's honesty, but it's a commitment to full disclosure. So after I did that, um, that was really helpful because it it countered the mistaken belief that I had that if she really knew everything, that she wouldn't love me or she would reject me. And what I realized was I would remind myself, I've told her what I did. I've told her the extent of this. I've given her the scope. She knows Um, So that just felt like a burden lifted uh, by committing to full disclosure. And that's one that I've kept. So after I made that commitment, it actually um, got easier. 
Uh, it wasn't full mastery, but making that commitment um, made it easier to move forward. So what was the next commitment? The next commitment, it, it's, it's a fast follow on this one. It was a commitment to stop lying. Now, because I had already made that commitment to disclose and to be open about my struggle and to be open about the things I was doing, I still was struggling with lying. And here's what would happen. My wife would go out for the night. I would edge or I would go on the computer. Um, maybe I would even look at porn or do, do um, some unsound activity. And, um, and she would come home and say, did you do anything on the computer? Did you watch anything inappropriate? And I would immediately say, no, as fast as I could. No, I didn't. And it didn't matter if I did or not. I would adamantly say, no, I didn't cross any boundaries. Now, what was going on here? Well, this wasn't a deceiving lying that was like from this sort of evil place where it was like, I'm going to lie to her, a deceiver. No, it came from a fearful place. I really wanted to show her an acceptable image. I really wanted her to believe that I was a husband who had now found integrity and wasn't tempted and wasn't uh, doing unsound things on the computer, wasn't doing little web searches, wasn't channel surfing uh, for, you know, illicit images, you know. I really wanted her to believe that I was acceptable. That's where the lying came from. But when I lied, it started um, this process of me where I would start to feel uh, not good enough again, where I'd start to feel like I hadn't disclosed, where I started feeling like I was hiding again. And so inevitably, I would go back to my wife and say, I lied about when you asked me that question, I flat out lied. And you do that enough, you go back and, and really clearly state that you lie, it actually starts to um, disrupt that, that uh, impulse to lie. And so it became a commitment to stop lying. Uh, so I committed that if I lied, I would always go back and say that I lied. Um, and then eventually I stopped wanting to lie because I didn't want to have to confess that I had lied. Um, and I've heard that partners say that sometimes the lying is actually more traumatizing than the porn. That it's the lying that really is hurtful or it, or it hurts at a different level. You know, it's, it's, it, they're both hurtful, but, um, and so that was, that was it. And when I committed to stop lying, that made it easier to tell the truth. Um, even if it made me look bad and every time I told the truth, even if it made me look bad, uh, it shamed and, and sort of exposed the mistaken belief that if she really knew she would reject me. Um, or withhold love. You know, it really spoke into that place. So what came next? A commitment to a safe environment. I immediately realized I was vulnerable. 
I was vulnerable to my computer, to open internet. I was vulnerable to the TV. So I had to adopt some strong boundaries, especially early on. Had a lock on the computer. Um, I had a lot of accountability. I wouldn't watch TV when she wasn't there. I'd go to bed uh, at the same time as my wife. I adopted a safe environment. My home was the safest place in my life when it came to porn. Now, for a lot of guys, I know that your home is not the safest place. The safest place for you a lot of times is work because at work, there's filters, there's people watching what you're looking at. Uh, you might have a monitor that faces your, your coworkers. Your, your work is actually a safer environment. You're with people all the time. Um, I had a coaching client who had to, uh, was actually at work uh, when we did a call together and he had a hard time finding a place where he could be alone and private because work, there's people everywhere. So you need to make your home your safest environment. So if that means getting covenant eyes on all your devices, if it means uh, getting rid of some, some loopholes or devices that you can't protect, um, you need to make your home as safe as possible. Now, I have to say, I started getting in recovery in 2001. It was a lot easier to make my environment safer. There weren't as many devices. But it's it was easier back then, but it can still be done now. So once I committed that my home was a safe environment, I actually felt a sense of relief. I remember when I put the padlock on my computer, at first I had some shame about this. I was like, oh, I can't believe I have to give up this freedom. I can't believe that I have to actually put a physical padlock on my computer. I talk about this I think in episode three or episode, yeah, episode three, I think. But, you know, the longer it was there, the more secure I felt. My obsessive brain wasn't thinking of a way to get on the computer and act out because my brain would think of the lock and then it would end. The obsessive thinking would end right there. Um, it's the same with TV. You know, I have channel protection on all my channels. Uh, you know, I can't play TVMA shows. I can't play R-rated shows. So my mind spends zero time thinking about what's on HBO right now. It used to spend all that time when I, when I would go to a hotel room and there was HBO, I would immediately look, well, are there any illicit shows on tonight? Is there anything I could potentially, you know, stumble through or click through. Um, I, I don't spend any time thinking about what's on HBO because it's locked down. So commitment to a safe environment. So, all right, I'm going to go through some of these a little faster. Um, so commitment to full disclosure, commitment to stop line, commitment to safe environment. With each one of those, I pr was progressively, it was getting easier. It's easier to go to bed without looking at porn if all your devices are locked up. If, if all your devices are um, protected. Um, by the way, I just saw, uh, I have a, a child who got um, a phone and I set up Google Safe Family, which allows me to completely own that phone and control that phone remotely. And one of the coolest features was it actually has a shutoff feature um, for a curfew. And so 
at 9.01 last night, I clicked on his phone. He was in bed. I clicked on his phone and it says, it's bedtime. This phone will be available again at 7 a.m. Like, and then there was a place to make an emergency call. So he could, if he had it, if he needed to make a call, he could call. But everything else in the phone was locked down. And it's locked down. I, was, I locked down the browser. I only made a couple of websites available to look at. He can't download apps. It's awesome. If you want to, if you have an Android phone, get Google Safe Families and find someone in your life who can uh, control your phone settings. Um, he has to he has to ask for permission to to download an app. It's great. It's it's amazing. If you did that to your phone today, tonight. At 10 o'clock, when you were thinking about rumbling around or rolling over in bed and clicking on that phone, it would be off if you submitted to this to this uh, safe environment, if you committed to it. So that's an example. Your phone becomes no temptation if it shuts off automatically in the middle of the night. Um, all right, so commitment to full disclosure, commitment to stop lying, commitment to a safe environment. Next commitment was I went to a group. I went to a recovery group and it was a good recovery group. The leader was awesome. The small group wasn't that great. I've heard guys say I went to a group and it wasn't that good. I only went once. Okay. I was committed to going to the group every week and I live in Chicago and the group met from September to April. Now what's between September and April? If you guys are in California or in Texas, uh, maybe you guys don't know about this, but we have a little thing here in Chicago called winter. And like right now, it's minus two as I'm recording this. That's minus two Celsius. I guess it's about 20 degrees uh, Fahrenheit. But it's icy, it's cold, it's dark. And every Tuesday night, I went into the city, sat in a dingy church basement to be in this group. Why? because I was learning how to do recovery. I was doing things differently than I had done stuff before and I needed help. So I committed to going to the group. Now it wasn't easy. I used to have to, you know how I love doing drinking coffee. In those days, I went to Starbucks before the meeting and I got the biggest coffee possible. I think I got a venti and I needed that coffee to be at that meeting. Uh, if, if I was a smoker, I would have been smoking outside, uh, the meeting because it brought up anxiety. It it brought up doubt. I was mad about going, but I was committed and just going to the group, literally going to the group gave me hope. The longer I went, the more settled I got and went, I'm supposed to be here. This has been a weakness in my life for 30 years. I need to be here and accepting that humility, accepting that, uh, being honest about it was, it made it easier. I also had a place to bring things that were coming up for me. You know, I was struggling with temptation and I had a safe place to be honest about what was coming up with me. So things got easier after I made a commitment to go to a group and I, I have, now that I've been doing this podcast a few years, this is one of the game changers right here. 
if you're struggling and you're not in a recovery group, a, a healthy, active recovery group, you are, it's a futile attempt. You should just stop listening to the podcast because you're not going to be able to put together the tools if you don't have a good group, if you don't have some people around you. Now you can create a group. Um, I heard of a guy, um, heard of a guy recently on our tribe who started dialoguing with someone on our tribe. And on our tribe, you can tag yourself as a listener of Born Free Radio. So I think they tag each other and they, they sent a friend request. Um, and, you know, they started connecting through text. And then at some point they had a conversation, like a, like a one-on-one conversation and agreed to kind of talk through recovery with one another. Um, it's not necessarily the most ideal, but it's something you can do. And um, I mean, that's what I did. Once I left the recovery group that I went to, I started a recovery group at my church and committed to that for the next 12 years. And so um, that helped me. Um, and I'll get into that in a second because I, I think I mentioned that later. Um, all right, so what are what, we're talking about milestones, talking about th- commitments uh, that led to mastery. So full disclosure, I stopped lying, committed to a safe environment at home, uh, committed to a recovery group. I committed to a consequence. I talk about this in episode four. Um, and I talk about it again later, um, I don't know, in the 90s, I think. Um, but this idea of setting up a consequence for crossing a boundary with porn, uh, a commitment that I'll follow through with um, that's penitent uh, after I cross the boundary with porn. And, um, so, you know, a, a one that I have right now is if I cross a boundary with porn or my bottom lines with masturbation and fantasy, um, I will not drink coffee for 30 days. And, uh, I once asked my wife, you know, should I change that to doing the laundry or dishes or cleaning the kitchen? And she's like, keep coffee. She knows that coffee is near and dear to my heart. It's, uh, uh, it's important to me and, uh, it would be a real sacrifice to give it up. And that helps me in the moment of temptation to make a better choice. It also helps me in event of a relapse to actually follow through and feel the consequence of my actions. You know, so much nowadays, we used to, uh, nowadays with, with internet porn and everything being sort of free and sort of hidden in your computer, you delete your history, you leave the website, you turn off your computer, and what was the consequence? You know, what, did you feel any sense of consequence for what you did? Um, it's, it's, not as, it's not like it used to be. It used to be you used to have to go buy a magazine, you'd spend money, you'd be out that money. Um, or you would um, have to take a lot of risks to do uh, sexual behavior. But now it's like you secretly go to a website and then you secretly get out of it. There's no consequence. So there's something meaningful about actually doing a consequence. Uh, I had a client who uh, shaved every day for 30 days and he said he had to stare at himself in the mirror. He didn't like shaving. He liked keeping a beard. He had to stare at himself in the mirror and, and just look at himself and go, why am I shaving? I'm shaving because I crossed a boundary. And this is a consequence. I'm creating a consequence 
for myself to remind myself of my commitment that I broke. So we're talking about commitment. So I committed to having a consequence, and I've had a consequence ever since those early days. And I've had to follow through on some big consequences. I uh, once traveled to Colorado to go to an intensive at, at Doug Weiss's Heart to Heart Counseling Center, if you know who Doug Weiss is. Um, I've d- cleaned the kitchen for 30 days. I've gotten up with the baby for 30 days. Uh, no coffee for 30 days. Uh, I've done some big consequences. But every time you follow through and do a consequence, it gets easier because you you tell yourself, hey, I'm going to follow through on this. This isn't an empty promise. I'm ensuring my commitment by making this consequence. Um, and every time you follow through, it's a reminder and you you stop wanting to cross those boundaries because you don't want to follow through with the consequence. So it actually gets easier. It actually leads to mastery. I, I feel like that's one of the biggest things for me. And I was an IT guy. I was a guy who ran websites and managed servers. I had access to all technology. So this consequence was technology agnostic. It didn't matter if I was running Linux. It didn't matter if I had an Android phone or an an iOS iPad. It didn't matter what device I had in my life or what access I had. I was committed to following through on a consequence if I crossed my bottom lines, and that led to mastery. All right. Uh, I mentioned this one earlier, a commitment to help others. Uh, Shortly after I got out of my first recovery group, I started a recovery group and had the, had the, the, the great blessing and uh, privilege of helping others. And that commitment led to more mastery. Why? I didn't want to let him down, frankly. Hey, I don't want to let you down. You know, when I have to record a new podcast on Tuesday now with my new commitment, Saturday night, uh, unsound activity, edging, uh, porn-related stuff, Uh, you know, it goes through my mind. It goes through my mind. I need to record a podcast on Tuesday and I need to have clean hands. I need to be uh, walking this out. Um, So just helping others um, is a good reminder. But it also is a reminder of humility and, and honesty. When you hear someone else share who's not as far along about a mistaken belief, when you hear about an emotional trigger that connects with you, it reminds you of why you're doing this. It keeps recovery fresh. It, it, it really helps you with recovery fatigue. I see this with guys who have relapses after uh, a few months or after a year of sobriety. It's usually because they weren't helping anybody. They were just doing it on their own. They were you know, they, they had found something that worked. They had a plan. They maybe even had an accountability group that they were committed to, but they really weren't helping anybody else. They weren't helping people get out of the pit. They weren't helping people climb out of the mess. Remember how I talked about going to my uh, boss and asking for help? Um, you know, I later was a boss um, and a manager, and I had employees come to me with the same predicament. They got behind and guess what I did? I pitched in 
divided up the work, took stuff off their plate, and helped them get it done. Why did I do that? Because someone did it for me. So there's something magical about commitment to helping others. That's one of the biggest ones. If, if you've gotten a 90 days porn free and you want to go farther, commit to helping others. That was a big game changer for me. All right. When you start helping other people, especially if you are helping women, this next commitment is, was big. I eliminated fantasy. This is fantasy about women in my life. Uh, for years, I had fantasized about any woman in my life. You know, if I um, met a woman at work or if I saw a girl at college, I would just, you know, I'd go home and fantasize about her. I made a little harem in my head of people in my life. And when you start helping real women, when you start helping people, when you start seeing, you know, I, I did this episode a few, uh, a month ago about purity. When you start seeing a woman and not just, uh, not, or when you start looking at a woman and, and really seeing her, um, it, you realize this has to go. You can't uh, be a friend. You can't serve a woman. You can't help a woman if you're going home and fantasizing about doing stuff to her sexually. It just doesn't work. There's a real disconnect. It's a, it's a narcissistic thing. And um, I realized quickly um, after I started a recovery group where there were women involved that this needed to go. And um, the way I, you know, dealt with this is by talking about it. I made it part of my plan. I made it, I confessed it. Um, I would ask for help um, with, from other uh, guys in my life about this. And this became a bottom line for me. Um, and it was actually one of the areas where I felt the most freedom at first. I remember once I committed to this, um, I was able to do it. I was still struggling with some edging. I'd still struggle with porn every once in a while, but I had really eliminated this um, just through committing and being honest about it. Remember, I'm committed to full disclosure and to stop lying, safe environment. So this was, a, this was something that I could commit to, uh, and it really helped. Um, eliminating that made me feel better as a person. Um, there are thousands of women in my life now not maybe not thousands, hundreds, who I've never fantasized about. Um, and it's so healthy. It makes me feel so good um, to, to know that I have a clean relationship with them, that I haven't been going to a secret place in my head and undressing them and doing whatever, right? Um, so that was a big one. So let me review so far. Commitment to full disclosure, to stop lying, to a safe environment at home, to a recovery group, a commitment to consequence, a commitment to help others. Each one of those along the road um, helped me get farther along, helped me get mastery. Eliminate fantasy. Uh, the next one was a commitment to my true self. I, I had a relapse and I was talking to my wife and I was feeling all these shame feelings. And I started asking her, why do you love me? Why do you love me? And I realized that I believed a lie that I was unlovable. 
And this was a mistaken belief. And part of moving forward in recovery was admitting this was a mistaken belief that this wasn't true, even though it felt true, and choosing to love myself, choosing to uh, value myself. Now, sometimes when people say love yourself first and it sounds kind of self-helpy or this or that, no, it, it simply means taking yourself as one who has value and not agreeing with the lie that you don't have value. And how do you take, how do you, um, how do you um, demonstrate that you're taking yourself as valuable? You take care of yourself. You don't put yourself in harmful situations. You don't abuse yourself, injure yourself, berate yourself. You know, a lot of going to porn, it feels like self-care. It feels like something that's good for us, but it actually injures us. It hurts us. It makes us feel more shameful, more unlovable. It makes us feel dirty, not good enough. And so when we start saying, hey, there's value here. I was created in God's image. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a child of God. Um, when we start taking uh, that image important, that, that personhood in us, when we start taking it as value, we're no longer willing to settle uh, for abusing or injuring ourselves by going to porn. And that was a big thing. And I needed help with that. I needed help. I needed people to call out the good in me. Uh, I still need people to affirm me. Um, I still need nurture. There's a whole bunch of healthy needs that I need. I need to, to talk about my weaknesses and uh, not feel rejected. So I need safe places and connection. Um, and so that was really important for me. Once I started realizing, hey, there's these things I struggle with, these vulnerabilities, these weaknesses, I needed to commit to protecting my true self and to cultivating it. And so one of the big ways that I did that was a commitment to a men's group where guys were, saw me, uh, saw the good and the bad, uh, and saw the value in me and called out, um, called out that value and affirmed me. And so I started going to a men's group. And this was, this was the beginning of the seven years. So all those earlier commitments were what led to this seven-year streak that I'm on now. Now, I had a couple year streaks in there, uh, six months here, six months there, two years. Um, but this big Seven-year streak started when I committed to a healthy men's group uh, where my true self was coming out, uh, where I was being committed to full disclosure, to not lying, um, to, to confessing fantasy, confessing uh, my thought life. As I started, and I, gosh, I never use that phrase, thought life, because it's so Christian-y, uh, but... I was basically confessing my private world and being open um, to disclosure, being open about the feelings I was having, open about um, the things I was doing. That's what I did in that men's group. So commitment to full disclosure, stop lying, uh, commitment to safe environment, commitment to recovery group, commitment to consequence, commitment to helping others, to eliminating fantasy, uh, to uh, valuing my true self, uh, commitment to a men's group. All of those things led to mastery. It wasn't the calendar. 
It was the commitment that led to mastery. And it was the commitment to keep going at it. Just like, you know, that example I said about free throws. It was the practice going to that men's group and saying, hey, I messed up, guys. Um, I need help with this area. Making the phone calls, going to recovery group. Those are the things, those are the, it's like practicing the habits where the mastery came in. You know, uh, one thing that they say about mastery, you know, the, uh, if you've ever heard that 10,000 hour thing, I think Malcolm Gladwell talked about it. You know, in order to become a master in anything, you need to spend 10,000 hours. That was kind of the idea. Now that is a time thing, but it's it's 10,000 hours of, of just time in general? No, it's 10,000 hours of committed action uh, that you become a master at something. And uh, I don't know if I'm at 10,000 hours yet. I might not be. Um, but, you know, it's how you use your time that makes the mastery come, uh, not just time itself going by. So, all right, we're on nine. So let me get to the last couple of commitments that I've made um, um, pretty much in the last seven years or so. Um, commitment to end recreational masturbation. Here's one thing that I see guys uh, committed to going porn free. They're committed to being, being porn free. They've even done a lot of these things like disclosure. They've stopped lying, uh, safe environment. Uh, they go to a group. Um, they have consequences. They have a plan. They've eliminated fantasy. Um, they're you know taking care of themselves. Um, but there's this sense. There's this sense that they. I have this thing and it's like, I reserve the right to masturbate still. Um, I reserve the right to when I'm feeling kind of sexual and feeling kind of challenged, I reserve the right to masturbate. Um, and I definitely felt like this. Um, let's say my wife wasn't in the mood. I reserve the right to masturbate. Now, of course, I'm trying not to use any of the behaviors. I don't want to fantasize. I don't want to go look at porn because that would be a boundary cross, but I reserve the right to masturbate. And here's what I realized. I realized that when I tried to do this, I would inevitably want to go back to the old behaviors. And what old behaviors am I talking about? Self-dependence, self-reliance, not asking for help, not asking for my needs to be met. I would retreat into that private, hidden sexuality. Now, I wasn't crossing the boundaries with porn, but I still wanted to sort of meet my own needs. And so masturbation was a way to try to do that. Now, my wife at some point had an incredible amount of trust for me. She was like, Matt's essentially eliminated porn from his life. There aren't these behaviors. I trust that he's not lying anymore, that... He's open to full disclosure, that he has a safe environment, that he goes to group, um, that he's eliminated these unhealthy activities, that he cares about his recovery, he cares about himself. I'm not worried that he um, is doing something deceptive if he masturbates. I think I trust him. But my wife's trust didn't make it healthy for me. Just her giving me the green light didn't make it healthy for me. Think about this in the case of the alcoholic. 
you know, let's say that there was an alcoholic who really um, binged and, you know, wrapped his car around a telephone pole and had trouble, you know, drove home blackout drunk from the bar, all those kinds of activities. And let's say that he has gotten some sobriety and he's recovered um, to a healthy point. What if his wife said to him, hey, it's okay if you have a glass of wine here at home, if you're just with me, it doesn't matter. What, is, what does he say? He knows himself. He knows that that wine is going to lead back uh, to these behaviors, to, this, to, to wrapping his car around the telephone pole, that eventually that small compromise will lead back. And that's what I realized. And so with that, I let go of my right to masturbate. And I ended what I call recreational masturbation. It wasn't fantasy. It wasn't fantasy driven. It wasn't uh, looking at porn. It was just sort of the physical release of masturbation. I let it go. Um, it wasn't a moral thing. It wasn't like I was like, you know, this is, you know, I mean, I guess deep down, I think in my theology, it's sin. But I wasn't, it wasn't, that wasn't the thing that made me ultimately let it go. It was the place of this leads back to the other stuff. And I'm unwilling to try to deal with feelings, even of sexuality or wanting nurture or touch. I'm, I'm unwilling to, to go to masturbation to try to meet those needs for myself. All right, so the last two, uh, commitment to self-care and improvement. I talked about taking myself valuable, you know, taking care of myself. And one thing that was significant for me is my weight. I've always been overweight my whole life. And so there have been some times in recovery the last seven years where I have made a very strong effort to get more care for my physical health and my, my eating. Uh, and I'm still working on this. This is still, this is probably the, the front line for me. Uh, is my recovery uh, from food addiction and from taking care of myself with food. And I'm still working on this. Um, but this commitment to, to not just settle for mastery in the area of pornography um, is, is a, has been a real game changer for me. Uh, one, one area that I, I improved in was my career. Um, I had always been a senior specialist. I think I've shared this in one of my uh, earlier episodes. I had always been sort of that senior specialist, you know, that, that, that guy you could throw at a problem, but never a guy who would manage a team. And I was compensated well and people liked me, but no one ever thought of me as a manager. And I advocated for myself. I actually was committed to improving. I joined a, a management training group at my work. Um, I positioned myself as a manager, and I got to be a manager. I started managing people. And this was a big win for me. Um, so I've, and I've had success with my food. I've had success with weight loss, exercise. I've run 5Ks, as I've talked about running. Um, I became a bike commuter. Um, there's all sorts of things that I've done uh, for my health. Um, and I'm con continuing to do that. Um, you know, I'm working with a sponsor right now uh, with the food thing. I am uh, looking for ways to actively increase my spiritual life. 
And, um, you know, I'm a big fan of Bible study. So that's one thing I've been looking for is a, is a really uh, helpful Bible study where I can um, get some accountability to study scripture, but also um, get some of the insight uh, from other people. So commitment to self-care and improvement. Once you start taking care of yourself in this area, you're going to see other areas where you're not following through, uh, where you're not committed, and you're not going to be you're not going to be okay with that. Once you get on this road, you're going to want it to apply to all areas of your life. Um, all right, and let me tell you the twelfth one. All right, quick review, and then I'll give you the twelfth one: commitment to full disclosure, commitment to stop lying, commitment to safe environment, commitment to recovery group, commitment to consequence. Commitment to help others. Commitment to eliminate fantasy. Commitment to my true self. Commitment to a men's group. Commitment to end recreational masturbation. Commitment to self-care and improvement. And the last one, and this is one that I eliminated in the last few years. And guys, this is probably the difference between me being porn free and uh, at seven years and having a slip in the last couple of years eliminating edging, the commitment to eliminate edging. I first learned about this. I was doing research for Porn Free Radio in 2014. And I was on uh, Reddit. And if you're not a Reddit person, don't get on Reddit. Um, don't start. Um, but if you are a Reddit person, you you know some of the risks and the threats there. But um, I was on Reddit and I was reading... Um, I think it was in NoFap or the Porn Free uh, subreddit. Now, if you've ever noticed Porn Free Radio, um, I actually got the inspiration for the name Porn Free Radio from the Porn Free subreddit. All, it's all one word. I like the fact that it was one word. Uh, like it was like uh, uh, an, um, uh, like it was like the characteristic of being of something having no porn in it of a life with no porn, porn free, just one word, kind of like debt free. Um, I'm a big fan of Dave Ramsey and he's always talking about being debt free. And I always thought, man, I, I want people to yell, I'm porn free. Um, so I love that porn free subreddit title and that's kind of how I got the name porn free radio. Um, so anyway, I'm on the subreddits and the, uh, on the NoFap, which is a, a masturbation elimination uh, forum. That's kind of what they talk about. And, and getting rid of these porn behaviors is a, is a piece too. Um, they talk about not masturbating and they talk, they talked about edging and the way that they used edging was actually bringing yourself to arousal, but not having an orgasm. So it's kind of the act of masturbating minus the orgasm and it's keeping yourself in an aroused state. And I realized, oh my gosh, that's what I did with porn for years is I would keep myself in an aroused state for a long period of time. I'd be on the edge of orgasm for, for sometimes hours. And then I would, you know, give in. And, but what I realized is I had accommodated something every once in a while in my life where I would start to do arousing behaviors um, like web searches Twitter hashtag searches or where I would click on clickbait where I wasn't, um, I wasn't sort of sitting and masturbating and arousing myself looking at porn, but I would just keep 
clicking on things and just allow that, that arousal um, to sort of permeate me and, 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 um, and just kind of take over. And I started calling that edging. I started identifying that as, hey, that's edging. When I do that search, uh, when I do that search for an innocuous word that might return some illicit results, that's edging. I'm trying to get close to porn without going over the edge. Um, and, you know, a lot of things fall into that, you know, walking around the grocery store with googly eyes, you know, kind of, you know, uh, panning and scanning all the women, um, you know, in the, uh, in the, uh, the, the grocery store. I remember one time I was on a business trip and a CEO of a big company took me out for dinner and I was looking forward to this. He, I thought he was going to take me out to a big steak dinner. I mean, this guy's a multimillionaire, decamillionaire. And uh, he took me to the sports bar. And, you know, he goes, you know, I bet you're wondering why I brought you here. And I was like, yeah, kind of in my head. I was like, yeah, why, why the F did you bring me here? Like, I'm on a business trip. You're a decamillionaire. I thought we'd go out to a cool dinner, you know. And he goes, well, I brought you here because the wings are great. Now, I do love wings. So, you know, he got me there. But he said, but I love the talent. Like he's talking about the women who work there, the talent. And I was just like, you got to be kidding me, right? So we, we let's face it, we're, we've all been there. We've all been in a situation where we're panning and scanning the talent, right? And that's a form of edging. That's where we're sort of allowing ourselves to go back and do these little errands for our addiction, you know, we, we kind of keep the arousal going. We kind of keep the ongoing pornographic thought going in our head, the conversation, the relationship with porn. You know, and Michael Leahy says, uh, he said this in episode, uh, what was it, 135? Yeah, well, episode 135, he said, you know, what you, um, what you feed grows and what you starve dies. And so if you're edging, if you're, uh, if you haven't eliminated edging, if you haven't committed to eliminating edging, you are continuing to feed this thing that you want to eliminate from your life. And if you feed it enough, it grows, grows back into the old thing. And so that was the last commitment that I made. And believe it or not, that's one, that's been the, one of the biggest ones that, that, that kept us, you know, I think when I started Porn Free Radio, I might have been three or four years porn free. But the thing that really put it in overdrive was getting rid of edging. And I know I've done podcasts about it, but man, that's a big one. That is a big one. So that's, uh, and, and believe it or not, when you're not edging, um, it, it really um, starts to eliminate obsessive thinking it starts to eliminate um, just even those patterns that we have in our head um, because you're not doing those types of searches you're not doing those things um, that allow that addiction to grow in you and um, so that that actually was one of the biggest ones I'd say if I could come up with some of the big ones obviously the first one the full disclosure that really was a game changer 
Uh, consequence was huge for my career. I needed something that wasn't related to a filter, wasn't related to just no access. Um, helping others, big one, kept me in the beginner's mindset, helped help remind me of all the stupid things I had done, uh, took the focus off myself. Being in that men's group where they valued me and affirmed me big, um, and, you know, I'd say getting rid of edging. This is probably, you know, in the recreational masturbation, you know, those two, letting go of those couple of behaviors that reserving the right to take care of myself, um, you know, those are the big ones. So that's it, guys. That's, that's how it gets easier. Mastery comes from commitment, uh, not from the calendar. Well, I hope that helps, guys. And, man, look at this. We spent a whole hour together. This is awesome. This is awesome. This is the longest, if you, you know, if you're ever in a 12-step group, this is the longest lead ever given. It was a 12, uh, a, a one-hour lead. Uh, but this is fun. This is cool. And hey, we're going to be here every Wednesday for 2018. Right, guys? Um, this is it, man. Put it in your calendar Wednesday on your commute to work. Fire up a new episode of Porn Free Radio. As my friend, the Grizz, Jason George says, fresh meat every Wednesday for you guys. All right? And I'm excited about next week's show. I have some special guests. Now, in December, I spoke at Michael Leahy's Breaking Free Summit, and I uh, caught the presentation and interviews from... Uh, two people that I want to share with you next week, Lori and Jay Pyatt. And I'm going to talk about their journey. And I'm going to specifically interview Lori about her partner journey, what it's like for a partner um, to be on the other side of this thing and watch her husband uh, try and recover and, and go through all the challenges that partners have. And I don't care if uh, you're a guy and you're thinking this isn't for you um, or if you're single or you're not in a relationship right now, I want you to hear uh, Lori's story and how she tells it um, to just give you another perspective of what this looks like uh, from the outside and what this looks like from the perspective of a woman who deeply loves her husband, but is watching him go through this and feeling the trauma and the effects of his choices and his addiction. So uh, join us next week for Lori and Jay Pyatt, The Partner's Journey. I'm editing the episode, uh, and it will be available on uh, Wednesday, uh, which is the 31st. So I'm committing already two episodes two Wednesdays, and we're going to keep going all the way to the end of 2018 Wednesdays. And again, guys, if you want to help out, if you want to get committed yourself, you want to show up uh, and commit with me, go to recoveredman.com slash contribute and get in on this. Set up a monthly pledge, get in on this, help Porn Free Radio, help me with my commitment by making a commitment of your own. And again, it's a reminder that you're committed to being porn free. All right, guys, 
awesome. Great to talk to you. Seven years. Keep it going. And I don't care where you're at in the journey. Uh, it's possible. I was just like you. Um, this is totally possible. Commitment leads to mastery. So keep committing. Keep moving forward. Keep taking action. All right. I just, I just, uh, I just screwed up my ending. Um, as always, guys, take hope and take action. Be good.